Well, we're so glad to have with us Philip Cameron from the Orphan's Hands, and they have, they're going to come and talk about the incredible year that they have had and how that the children that have been, were orphans have now become heroes of faith, and they're turning their world upside down to make sure that others know about him. Let's give them a great big hand as Philip comes right now. Hello, how are you doing, everybody? Doug, that was great. That's a great song. Saturday night, what, what it looked like? For the end of the story. Thank God for Sunday morning. Hallelujah. You can spend your Saturday nights at honky tonks or whatever you want to do, but thank God that Jesus came to give us a Sunday morning. Hallelujah. I love you guys so much. I appreciate you so much. I love your pastor and his wife, how much they just kind of adopted our ministry to be part of yours. And we've had an amazing year this year. You never know what a day brings forth, do you? You never know. Um, we just finished, for those that don't know, we have a home for kids in Moldova. Moldova is the poorest country in all of Europe. Um, kids are abandoned by the thousand when they go to the orphanage, when they're 16, they're put on the street. And people, uh, the traffickers get them and use them. Every, every girl that's caught by a trafficker is worth about $300,000 a year in profits for the trafficker. Every girl, so every girl you see in every photograph, every video that you'll watch today, think she will make $300,000 for her trafficker if he can get her. That's how serious this thing is. And so we have a, a village called Vatra Village, an amazing place. And we, uh, we, we built this, um, we bought it unfinished and we finished it all. Now it's completely finished, every house full. And uh, so my wife Chrissy and my daughter Melody was in Moldova finishing the last house. It's called Dan Betzer House after the great pastor missionary Dan Betzer. And so they were there fixing this stuff, and my wife called me. She said, look, I feel led. I, I want to go to Ukraine. I says, Chrissy, Biden's just said that Russia may invade Ukraine. She says, well, I just feel I should do this. So Chrissy went up to Ukraine and spent time with the kids there and spoke about, do you know that, that they may invade your, the, 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 the Russians are talking about invading Ukraine? And all the kids and all the staff we have in Ukraine says, no, 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 They'll, they're our cousins. The Russians are our cousins. They will never do this to us. And um, so they left that evening and drove back the three, four hours back to Kishnau, where Vatra village is, and the next morning, the bombs and the missiles started flying. So Chrissy was one day away from, from being there in the middle of this thing. And um, so we have been a witness uh, within hours of, of Russia's invasion, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians began to run for their lives. In total, 10 million ran away. 10 million ran away. Quarter of the population. Ukraine is a huge country. It's the same size, almost the same size as Germany. It is vital in the world's economy. I don't know if you know this, but in Ukraine, there is vast reservoirs of oil and lithium and, and all of the heavy metals that we need in our modern world. So part of Putin's plan is to take over Ukraine 
And by doing, he doesn't care if he kills everybody in Ukraine. If he killed 40 million folk, he doesn't care. Better for him. He'd just move all the Russian folks in again. And they would, but the, what they're looking for is the grain and the, the great, great bread basket that Ukraine is. And um, so people began to run. And one of the first things we do in Moldova, when a, when a young, person's, young person comes to us, We've just had 25 new kids join a couple of weeks ago. The first thing we do is we get them to give away things. We take them out into the villages that are poverty-stricken, no running water, no sidewalks, no, no light in the streets. And our kids go out and we feed widows and feed poor families. And orphans that have had nothing all their lives give away more stuff in a day than they've seen in all their lives. So if there's kids, we give them sneakers and we give them backpacks to go to school with and pencils and, and toys and, and um, blankets for widows. And we, we go in and we'll wash their whole house down and, and clean up the mess of their life. And so we've discovered that by having these orphans give, their lives are changed. If you want to break an orphan spirit, not an orphan's spirit, but an orphan spirit. Give something away. In your life, if you, if you feel an orphan spirit, if you feel lack, the best way you can cure that is to, buy, is, is to give foolishly, to show the devil, I'm not an orphan, I'm a child of God, and God is on my side, and I'm going to be a part of the answer. So we've done that for, we've done that for two, two decades, three decades. That's what we've worked at with these kids. Get them giving. And the, the, the most amazing thing happened was within hours of the, of the invasion, there's a border post about an hour from where Vatra village is. And our kids began to cook meals and put them in clamshells, polystyrene clamshell, and would fill up our vans and drive up to the border. And let me explain what would happen. The Russians were coming into these villages and are still doing it. At the moment, they're in retreat. But I, the cost to Ukraine is unbearable. Yes, they're pushing Russia back, but they are paying a horrendous price to do it in blood. And, and if, if uh, what happened was, if you can imagine in your street, a tank comes up your street and the, the gun turret starts at this side of the street and blows this house up, and then moves and blows that house up, and then moves and blows that house up. And you hear it, and you look, and you grab your kids, and you, and, and you, you can't drive your car because the tank's there, and you grab your kids, and you grab some paperwork that identifies your passport or whatever, and you shove them in a bag, and you grab your babies, and you run out the back door, and you run, and you run, and there's nowhere to go. And they ended up running to the borders. In Moldova, which is the poorest country in Europe, two and a half million people, 490,000 refugees came to our little country. We can't feed, Moldova can't feed its own people. Never mind feed 490,000 people from Ukraine. And um, our kids were the most, I've never seen anything like it. They went up to the borders and we got a tent and we put up a table. And all through the days and nights, blizzards, I mean storms, howling gales, snow, our kids stood there in Arctic weather, 
giving out food to these moms. Men can't leave. If you're 18 to 65, you cannot leave Ukraine. You've got to fight. So these moms leaving their husbands behind, husbands that have never fought, don't know anything about war, and they grab their kids. You imagine if it was you, what you would do. How do you go to a different country and none of your money works and you don't understand the language? Nothing makes sense to you. And they stick you in these great big cold concrete buildings. The floors concrete, the walls are concrete, the ceilings are concrete. And they give you a mat and your kids and you lie, just lie down on this mat and you can't go anywhere because you've got no transportation. And your kids are crying all the time and you're crying because you don't know if your husband's dead. And our orphans, the orphans that we rescued, became the rescuer. They worked around the clock. It was insane. One of the places they worked, one of the borders, or several border posts, but one they worked at, the only place they could stay was in a, in a storage room. And they lay on the floor, and there were so much boxes in the storage room that they, they couldn't lay their legs all the way out, so they laid curled up in, in a ball on the concrete floor. And other organizations that were working at the border, they went home, they went back to their hotels at five o'clock. And our kids refused to leave and they said, well, how, how can we leave in case a mom shows up at nine o'clock or 11 o'clock or two o'clock in the morning? Someone's got to be here to love them. And that's what they did. These orphan kids stood and cuddled moms and took babies away for a few minutes from their moms. Our boys made care packages. And every time a bus would come, and they would just, a bus would show up, and they'd just say, all of you people in this bus. And they didn't know where they were going. Some were going to Hungary. Some were going to Italy. Some were going to wherever. And you just got in the bus with your kids, and you were off, and you had no idea where you were going. And the last thing they got when they went on the buses was a care package from our kids, made up from, by the orphan's hands kids, and they were there telling them that we love you and God loves you and, and there's hope. So we've had the most incredible year. Um, our, there was bombing around our home that we've had. We, we've had a home in Odessa for years, and there was bombing around that house, and uh, we, we made the decision to evacuate our girls out of Ukraine back to Moldova. So we took one of our vans and uh, one of our house parents, Andre, who was an, all of the house parents, listen, all of the house parents who are pa house parents at Vatra Village were once orphans that we rescued. Every one of the house parents, we rescued them. If it was a, if it was a girl, there was one girl called Galina Roska, she came, she came with no hope, the most beaten, spirited little girl and I, I began to talk to her and I said, what do you want to do? When you, what, what, what's your dream? And she says, I want to play the piano. I love music. And I says, would you like to, what, what, she, she says, I want to go to university. I said, would you like to go to music? Yes. And um, we, we put her through and she is now, a, she, she graduated from Orphan's Hands. She got married to a lovely lawyer. You'll see him. Are you, there you go. That's her there on the left-hand side. And that's her boy and her husband's. And that, this girl here was, the first time I met her, I gave her a hug. And she, she, was, she was like this. She'd never been cuddled in her life, never held in her life. And we put her through school. She found a lovely, godly husband who's a lawyer. And they came to us a couple of years ago and says, we, can we please be a parent in Vatra Village? So every parent 
in Vadra village is someone that I rescued 15, 16, 12, 13 years ago. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So Andre, I didn't, I forgot you're saying, this is, this is, that's the kids that are there right now. The girl on the total left-hand side, her name is Nadia. Um, she spent years in an orphanage. Her left hand, I mean, her right hand is deformed. She's got a thumb and no fingers, just little buttons where her fingers should have grown. And um, was given a horrendous, you can see her hand right there, given a horrendous time in the orphanage. I mean, abused in the orphanage. And, she, and we, we, we rescued her and she came to um, our, our homes and I spoke to her one day about the purpose of God. And I, and I could hardly speak any Romanian and she could hardly speak any English. And between the two of us, we were playing charades. And God got a hold of that little, little girl. And she is now in charge of the entire ministry in Moldova. She is, a, she is a tigress, a lioness for the kingdom of God. And this, that, that's the truck that she drives. And this here, what she did was, she drove through, there's a part of Moldova like Crimea and Dinesh and all these other areas that are claiming to be Russian, there's a sliver of land down the edge of, of, of Moldova called Transnistria, and they're Russian, and the people were starving on the other side in Ukraine of Transnistria. And to save hours and hours of driving, Nadia said, I'm going to drive through Transnistria. So she loaded up that pickup truck. Now, so, so to let you understand, this is the battleground. All of these areas here, Donetsk and all the way down here, this is all land that Russia has captured. We are in Kishnev, which is about here, and Ukraine is down here. Russia is trying to get to, Ukraine, to Odessa because if they can get Odessa, they can close down all the food supply, 70%, of all food and clothes and produce that goes in or out of Ukraine goes through Odessa. So the battle that they're trying to do, Russia is trying to close off all of that border, right down all the way through that, that whole border on the Black Sea, they will starve Ukraine to death. So you can see how close Moldova is. So they're only two and a half, three hours away from Odessa to Kishnev, and um, but 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 Nadia drove through Transnistria at great risk to bring the groceries to this village that had called and says, "Please, we have no food." You are part of that miracle. Your giving, your support has allowed us to reach way further than we ever dreamed before in our lives, and um, we don't know what tomorrow brings. There is some horrendous things on the horizon coming up, winter first of all. Um, those that have brought coats here, we just want to thank you so much. Nadia called me. She took a trip, a team up to what, what are, what are we, we would convoys of, uh, of um, cargo vans that we bring food up to the churches in, in Ukraine and we give to the church and the pastors give out the food to the people and they preach the gospel while they're doing it. Nadia came back and uh, one night she was in, in, in where they were all staying and all night long she couldn't sleep for the thud of the guns and the, the bombs landing around them. Amazing stuff. And she called me, she said, Dad, unless we get them clothes and blankets and warm stuff, they will freeze to death. 
And so we have been working for the last couple of months like crazy around the clock. We have now three containers worth of clothes to be shipped. The first one goes out in about a week's time. And um, everyone I saw folk today, it's an amazing thing to watch folk walk into church holding coats because God spoke to my heart. I said to my sons one day, I says, can we help? What can we do? I says, can we get the, the, the website coatsbychristmas.com? And we managed to get it. And um, we, we, we linked Target. No, no, not Target. Walmart and Amazon. There you go. They know more than I do. And you can go to Coats by Christmas. And we have had thousands upon thousands upon thousands. We're reckoning almost 10,000 coats have been given in the last few months, a couple of months. So we're just so grateful for you. And um, so I'm, I'm, I just can't thank you enough. I'm humbled by your support. I have these dreams and I go there and see these things and I stand there all by myself with no one, Andrew basically, and I, and I talk my dreams out and, and say, can God do this? Having no idea that folk here would say, well, yeah, I can, I can be a part of that. We'll give towards that, we'll, we'll support that. And to watch the end result, to see the miracle take place and you will see your coats will have video made and we'll send you your your report for what you've done for the kingdom of God so we just love you so very very much I want to talk to you about a wee minute just now about doors how many in this room right now you have a door that you are praying for God to open for you it might be a new job, it might be a business opportunity, a financial situation, a family situation. But our, our lives seem to be surrounded by doors. Uh, I, I was, I was mid-30s, uh, mid I was living in Montgomery, Alabama. I was on all the TV shows. I, I, I was on Richard Roberts' program, All Roberts' program, PTL Club, TBN. All, all of the dreams I'd ever had as a young preacher back in Scotland had come true in my life. I was living in a lovely home, had a Mercedes Benz in my driveway. I would preach on a Sunday, fly out on a Saturday afternoon, preach on a Sunday morning, fly home on a Sunday afternoon. We spent a couple of days taking it easy and then going to the office for a couple of days. And, and I was just set. All I was doing was getting a nicer car and going on a longer vacation apart from between the preaching things. And, and I'm thinking, wow, I've really done something. But the truth of the matter was, I was unchallenged. Now listen to me. Listen to me. The greatest danger of your life is if you are no longer challenged by life. If you're sitting and you have no vision, if you've got no purpose to get up in the morning, if, if something doesn't scare you at night, if there's a, a challenge that doesn't keep you awake at night, you are at the greatest risk and danger of your entire life. Because challenge makes and stirs you to do things that ease will never cause you to do. You can sit in ease and die incrementally. I, I'm coming from a fishing town back in Scotland. We are right on the northeast corner of Scotland. And our harbor, you go down and, and there's old men, they go out and they've got creel pots uh, catching crab and lobster and if you get out and talk to them they'll give you one they just do it to keep themselves occupied really and I've gone down there and talked I, I, I had a boat many years ago in a, a wee fishing port called Bottom and, and I'd go down and talk to the guys and they'd say do you want, uh, want a, we call them partons do, do you want a parton? I'd say oh that'd be lovely 
and they'll give me a couple of partons out of their boat and I'll take them home. And what you did was you boiled water and you put the crab in the water and you switched the water on and the crab would just sit there thinking, wow, it's summertime. The, warm's get, the water's getting warm. What they didn't understand was that incrementally they were going to die in that pot. And what circumstance can do to you is get you so comfortable where you are and the degrees change and the circumstances change and you don't stir and you don't do anything about it. You just sit and you wait and you wait. And what happens is that you wait so long that time has gone and you have not fulfilled what God has called you to do. And the thing that keeps me awake more than anything else, I'm 67 years of age. I know I don't look like that, but I'm 67 years of age. And the thing that that drives me crazy night and day I have a clock ticking in my brain I have only one life it will soon be passed and only what's done for Jesus is going to last you can't measure my wealth in what I have in the bank or the home I live in you, you, can't, you can't measure me by anything else about what I, other than what I do for Jesus and believe me my friend you're exactly the same life is more than just coming to church Life is more than just, I'm a Christian. You're, you, there's greatness inside of you. There's things that no one else can do except you. There's, there's, there's brilliance and genius that God has put inside you. And unless, unless you find that challenge, it'll never be called upon. These kids that come to our homes in Moldova, every day they're told by the teacher, you're garbage, you're trash, you're nothing. Your mother doesn't want you. Your father doesn't want you. You'll never be anything. Last thing they make them do is paint the dormitory where they've been sleeping their life, all their orphanage existence. And the teachers will stand there and say, do a good job, because your kids will soon be here. You should see the art and the music and the creativity that these kids can produce whenever they get a chance. They stun me with their genius. And everyone else thinks they're garbage. And they throw them away like a piece of trash. And I find gold every day. Amen. I find incredible gold. <laughs> Nadia, the girl I was telling you about, who's now in charge, handicapped. I said, what's your dream? She says, I want to build houses. Learn how to build houses. We sent her to school to become not an architect, a step below an architect, but she can build, she draws houses and she, and she can, guess who has been the person that has built Vatra village? That orphan girl. She has built every house. So as you see the beauty of these homes and the design and the style of the house, every color, every tile, every piece of thread is in that building has been put there by an orphan that everybody said, you're a handicapped freak and there's nothing inside of you. And she lives, she lives every day. We, call, we talk almost every day. Dad, I'm talking about this one, doing this, and I've just got this fixed, and I'm, going to work, I'm working with this. And her life is consumed with building and growing and, and reaching more people. There's, there's something inside of you, and you're saying, but I, I can't get through the door. I don't know how to get to the next level. It seems that all the doors of my life are closed. The other day, a pastor friend called me. I'd been there a couple of years ago, 
And um, he asked me to come and see something. It was just after the floods in Virginia, the horrible situation. Your pastor's just come back from there. Let me tell you, support that work and that effort because they have been forgotten by America and things are just as bad as they were the nights of the floods. And this pastor has a, he came, he says, come, I'll show you something. And he took me into a closet and he said, look what I, I, the Lord's, the Lord's, he's almost embarrassed. He says, the Lord's challenged me to, to, to collect some stuff and help. I says, Chris, that's brilliant. I says, let me tell you something. You're in trouble. He says, what do you mean? I says, this closet is ridiculous. I says, it'll be so small. I says, this thing's going to chase you like you couldn't. Oh, I, I, hope the po I hope the folk agree and I'm going to talk to the board. I says, forget the board. You're doing the will of God. Just keep doing it. He called me a couple of months later. Philip, you won't believe what's happened. He says, my whole church is full of clothes and shoes and blankets and furniture. He says, every day, people are driving up the drive that would never come to church normally. Let me tell you, see, when you help our mission work in Moldova, people that would not come to this church under normal circumstances will come to be a part of something that's helping someone else. It's amazing. Well, what happened was that Walmart heard about him. And every Monday morning, he's got a semi-truck from Walmart sitting in his driveway full of stuff. It's got so bad, he says, all the school system has come to him and says, can we send you the names of poor families if you can feed and clothe them? And what's happened is this thing from a closet has exploded and has taken over his whole church. That's what happens when you get involved in the kingdom of God. Greatness is in you if you can only see it. So now he's going to build a building. And guess what? He doesn't have the money. And I said, start. Dig a hole. Because the same God that brings a Walmart truck up your driveway is going to bring a concrete truck up your driveway too. And he says, well, I just, I'm praying that God opens the doors. And he said, and he said that to me, and I said something that was brilliant. <laughs> I don't say many things brilliant, but once a week I come up with something that let, 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 lets me know at least I'm worthy of living. You know what I mean? And I, said, I heard myself say these words to him. I says, let me tell you, Chris. God has no compunction to open the door that you're believing God to open until your hand is on the handle. I don't care what you think, that's good stuff. When you get this age, sometimes you'll say things you'll be saying, did I just say that or did I just think that? Was that a word or was that a thought? Sometimes it's a word, much to my chagrin. God has no reason, listen to me. I could stand here until the cows come home and look at that door back there and I can say, in the name of Jesus, you're going to open, open in the name of Jesus. I'm confessing that door opening. Yes, Lord, I'm believing God for you to open that door. That door will never move. I'd like it off from behind this pulpit, walk down that stairs, up that aisle, and put my hand on that door and push. If God doesn't want me through the door, he can keep the door closed. Don't worry about getting ahead of God. Don't worry, please. Oh, aren't you afraid that you do something that you get ahead of God? 
I've been in this, I've been in this ministry for 53 years. I came to America in 1969 on the 12th of March. I've been running as fast as I can for 53 years doing what I do. I can promise you this, you will never get ahead of God. Relax. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, our church shouldn't do that. We, we're, we need to be more prudent and take our time. Let me tell you something. The time is the one thing you don't have. You don't have time. You've got to be up and about your father's business. Get the job done. And I said to him, I says, let me tell you something, Chris. I promise you that if you will push that door open, God will meet your need. When I walked around Vatra Village, it was the worst time of my life. The worst time of my life. I went to Moldova, another organization. I tried, I tried, I tried to buy this place for a million dollars, and they couldn't afford to keep the payments. And it reverted back to the owners. I was in Ukraine working on the mission house we had there. And I got a phone call and this man says, can I meet you? It was a blizzard between Ukraine, Odessa and Kishnau. And I said, well, I can't, I can't get down to Kishnau. He says, I will drive to see you in Odessa. So I arranged that time and I met him in a restaurant and he drove through a blizzard to get to us. And he says, um, I, want, I represent the builders of, the, of this village and we want you to have the village. I says, well, I said, let me tell you something. I says, I will not, I, I, I'm not going to pay you what the, the other organization paid you, a million dollars. I said, I can't do that. He says, oh, no, 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 no. He says, we are prepared to accept the money they gave us and reduce it off the cost of the building and we'll sell this place to you for 600,000 euros which was like almost a half reduction. If I hadn't said yes to him on the, if I, if I prejudged the situation, if I thought by my head and by my spirit, and I'd says, no, it's not a good time right now. Just stay where you are. It's, it's, the weather's bad. Everything's against this. Nah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk maybe in the future. If I hadn't been there at the right time, at the right place to meet the right guy with the right offer, nothing would have happened. I had not a dime to my name, not a penny to my name. I flew back to America, and the first night I'm home, back at three in the afternoon into the house and I got home and, and Marcus Lamb from Daystar, you may have heard of Marcus Lamb, he texted me a picture of him in the White House with President Trump and Melania and Joni, the, three, the four of them standing and he, and he texted me this thing and Marcus has always done this over his life, he's, he's now in heaven, but he'd send me pictures of him in, in whatever he went to, his, all of his successes and I would, I would always say something smart back to him. So I, I responded right back and I says, that ain't nothing. I just bought a village. He texted me back, what are you talking about? So I sent him the picture you just saw. I says, I just bought this village. Straight back, he's in the White House. He's with Trump. He says, how are you gonna pay for this village? I says, I'm believing God for folks like you to help me. He says, there are six houses. I says, yep, and it's cost $600,000. Do the math. He says, well, let me tell you something. I'll have the ministry wire you the first $100,000 tomorrow. We want to buy the first house and call it Daystar House. Garth Koontz, 
Garth Koontz heard about it. He called me up and he says, what's this about this village you're buying? I says, yep. I says, it's called Vatra Village. Uh, I says, Daystar's bought a house. He says, we want in. We want to be a part of this thing. We'll buy a house. CTN from Florida, Clearwater, Florida, another network called me up, Bob DeAndre, and says, Philip, what's this you're talking about this village? I says, yes, sir. I got a village for sale and it's $100,000 a house. He says, I'm going to do that as well. Three of the six houses were paid for in a matter of days because I dared to go up to a door that in every natural circumstance said you are not passing and God says if you'll have enough courage to stand up and walk towards your door I'm going to open the door for you in the name of Jesus hallelujah and we have seen supernatural miracles Ridiculous stuff take place when you got enough courage to get off your backside and walk towards the door that's denying you for years. Someone in this room, you've knocked your head against the door and you've looked at doors and the devil says, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not rich enough, you're not anything enough. Well, today I want you to say to your circumstance, in the name of Jesus I am going to push upon that door today and I am going through to the next level of my life in Jesus' name. Jesus is a man with a withered hand in the temple. What does Jesus say? You're healed. What does Jesus say? A man's lowered through the ceiling of a roof that Jesus, in a house that Jesus is preaching in. Jesus goes over and the people are going nuts. And he says to the man, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the whole house goes crazy. Who can forgive sins but God? And then what does Jesus say? Take up your bed and walk. Your door will only open when you push it. Your miracle will only come when you begin to walk towards it. When you start acting according to what God says and according to what you think. If I was waiting for a good moment to do anything in my life, I would never do anything. But something happens when you take the courage to get up in the middle of the night when everybody else is sleeping and you're standing up by faith and you're saying, God, I am not going to quit. I'm not going to lie down. I'm not going to stop. Remember when the wise men followed the star? Remember that story? They followed the star in the east. Let me tell you when you follow stars. You follow stars at night. Everybody else was sleeping except the wise men. Whenever everyone else would lock their door, doors and their windows and close down the place for the night safe and secure from the night robbers, the wise men with gold and frankincense and myrrh and wealth beyond most people's dreams would get up when everyone else was going down and they would walk out into the night because you'll never find a star in the daytime. You only find a star in the night and the diamonds and the gold and the blessings are found when you have faith to walk by faith at nighttime. So I want to pray for you. It's time for you to open your door and move forward in Jesus' name. I speak over you that this week miracles are going to happen in some of your lives. I confess over you that stuff that's been stuck, 
stuck in court, stuck in legal stuff. And I come against it now in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. And I say these doors are going to open in Jesus' name. That your health is going to be healed. Your body's going to be, your family's going to be well. You're sick and tired of being sick. Well, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing and I open the door of health and healing into your home. I speak against every doubt and fear of your life. We are able to go up and take the country. Yes, there's giants, but get out of my way. If you want to spend 40 more years wandering around the wilderness, help yourself. I'm not going back to the wilderness. I'm going to the promised land. <laughs> Caleb and Joshua were the only ones left alive. And every night, Caleb would walk around at the edge of the camp 40 years of his life. He started when everyone under 21, anyone over 21. Remember the story when the spies came back and says, there are giants in the land. Everyone over 21 at that moment was killed. God marched them to death in the wilderness. 10 men with a negative vision. 10 men destined a whole generation of people to die. Don't allow someone else to determine your destiny. Don't let someone else's fear of giants affect your life. And for 40 years, old Caleb, all the young folk, it's all young folk, and they're looking and saying, what's wrong with that old man? He looks angry. Why is he looking out? He's always looking. Oh, he's, he was one of the spies. He's ticked off. He said, we can do it. And the other one said, we couldn't. And here we are. So when they get back to the promised land, Joshua said to his old pal, Boy, you deserve the best, my bro. You just go and you pick the best fertile soil. Get it those plains and the valleys where the milk and honey flows. And Caleb says, nah, that's not what I'm going. Where are you going? I'm going to kill me some giants. I am going back to kill the thing that stopped me from getting in the first place. And I'm going to tell you, and I, I can feel the Holy Ghost screaming from heaven right now. It's time you start killing some giants in your life because you have the authority to kill them in the name of Jesus. How many have got a door you want open this week? Let me see your hand. Way up high. Come on, way up high. Lift your hands up. If I was you, I'd have my hands and my feet in the air right now. Never mind just my hands. There's anointing right now for release. And I pray over everyone right in this building just now. I speak to your circumstance. Do you hear me? I speak to your circumstance that God is going to give you the victory over in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, for this church, there's new doors that we've got to open in the name of Jesus. New visions for your business, I pray for your family. In the name of Jesus, I command the doors of your life to be opened now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You, you people. It's not a, a man. It's it's amen. You people. I 
had a wonderful day yesterday. As I drove here, we moved a year and a half ago from Alabama to Tennessee. I've been an Auburn diehard fan for years. I've watched them get whipped by Alabama for years and years. I've been mocked by every Pentecostal preacher I know that supports Alabama. My inboxes are full of mockery for every time they play. Until last night. And I think orange is the most ridiculous, ugly color I've ever seen in my life for a football jersey. But yesterday, Tennessee beat Alabama. Thank you, Jesus. In the last second of the last, they, 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 they kicked a field goal and won. The door was open last night. And I, I spent the rest, I, I, I'm gonna have to go, when I'm driving home today, I'm gonna to call all my pastor friends and apologize for what I said yesterday. I don't think it was very Jesus-like at all, but I, I, the devil got into me for a few minutes. I'm sorry. But I can tell you, some Alabama fans are the most obnoxious people I've ever met in my life. And uh, that's by the by. I just let you know a door I've pushed open. <laughs> I want you to watch a brand new video that's come over to us from Ukraine and Moldova. The girl's voice you, you will hear talking to you, her name is Jazgul, an orphan is now a house parent. There is a shot, you'll see a woman in a seat talking to the new girls that have just come in. That is Jazz Ghoul. You'll also see a man with a little baby. That's Galena, the girl who went to the music school. That's her husband, Gennady. And every one of these kids, every girl you see, every girl you look at, is worth $300,000 to animals. I think they're worth more than that to God. And your giving is helping me rescue these. Watch this. never ends. Each part of our ministry is in constant change and evolution. When this year began, the orphans' hands could not see being involved in the desperate struggle brought about by a war in Ukraine. But we were ready. The years of caring, feeding, loving broken lives allowed us to turn in a day to feeding refugees running for their lives. We evacuated our precious girls from our Odessa home and brought them along with the others from Ukraine to Vatran village in Moldova. We made space for them all in our hearts and home. As summer came, our kids shifted their focus to summer camps, going into poor villages and transforming young hearts is something they have done for many years. At the same time, we conducted convoys of food to Kiev, Irpin, Bucha and Odessa, keeping up the steady flow of help to those souls 
who could not leave. Putting in pastor's hands the supplies that became magnets, drawing those in need to the church. While they waited by the hundreds, the brave pastors shared the priceless gift of God's love. As summer comes to a close, we are preparing Vatra Village to welcome 25 new young people. Six girls are coming from Ukraine to join us. As this war grinds on, we expect many more. These lost kids don't know it yet, but they are about to come face to face with the loving Savior who will transform their lives with the hope of eternity. As we watch the seasons change, our heart aches for the mothers who worry about the deadly winter cold that moves ever closer. Our Coats by Christmas challenge continues. It is our earnest prayer to provide thousands of warm coats, scarves, hats, anything that will keep families alive. As they battle the bitter cold that is in the Ukrainian winter. So as you can see, the orphan's hands remains committed to loving this world as Jesus would want us to do. We just need you to see and stand on the desire of God to feed, clothe, and care for the broken. Ask God what your part is to be loving the world through the orphan's hands, together. That wee boy at the end, that little boy at the end, his sister was one of the girls in Ukraine. And we told her we were evacuating and she disappeared. And she was gone all night and she came back the next morning with that little boy, her brother. And she said, can you bring him with us? Can he come too? And he's still in Vatra village. Upon hearing that, another girl went and found her mom who had put her in the orphanage and found her mom and says, mom, come with me. I think these folk will keep you safe. And she rescued her own mom. And her mom is still at Vatra village today. We are extended beyond anything we've ever seen in our lives. We're a small ministry compared to the big ministries. There were hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars. But I can promise you this, no money is spent better and wiser than ours and more carefully because it's so precious. There's two ways you can help me. In a few moments we'll receive a missionary offering. We have got three containers of clothes. I've spent all my time and all my energies the last few weeks raising the clothes, finding churches and TV stations to help and now we have, and we've been very successful. We have three containers of, of clothes on pallets at, as we speak. And um, each, each, each pallet will cost about $10,000 to ship to. Um, you can go to Odessa. We ship them to Constanza and then truck them in to Ukraine. And the offering you give today will help us be God's hand extended. If it was your daughter in Ukraine... If it was your grandkids in Ukraine, wouldn't you want me to help them? 
So whatever you can give, please do. And we have a card that very simply says, change your life for a dollar a day. This is the, this is the backbone. This is what keeps our lights on and the, the, the heating systems. Um, this last week, Nadia called me. She says, Dad, she says, we've just been told by the government that they're going to have to have blackouts in Moldova because of the Russian interference. And she says, our heating systems depend on electricity. She says, we can, we, we're, in the same, we're going to be in the same problem in, in um, the houses as they are in Ukraine. And, I, and we don't have the money, but I gave her the authority to go and order a generator, $10,000 diesel generator that will hook up to our power supply. So if the power goes off, the generator will start. You may want to be someone that will say, well, listen, let me provide electricity for these kids. They deserve it. My God, they deserve it. But the thing that keeps us alive every day, keeps us feeding these kids, paying for the school, paying for the doctors and dentists and eye appointments, buying them clothes. Uh, you have no concept how much shampoo girls who were once orphans can use. Because <laughs> they're not used to having warm water and, and all the shampoo and conditioner. And if you notice in the video, they've all got long hair. And um, so please help us in this offering. But the thing that keeps us going is this card. Change your life for a dollar a day. If you'd like to help us, and join our family and be part of the miracle that's taking place. Maybe you need a miracle in your life. So to those, when you give to the poor, the Bible says you lend to the Lord. And if you'd like to help us, put your hand up right now, and they'll give you a card. There's no pressure on this whatsoever. If you feel led to do this, put your hand up, take this card, and, and fill it out today. Don't take it home with you. This will make a terrible Bible mark. Do you hear me? Next weekend, if you open your Bible up and you, this is in your Bible, you'll be so convicted that you'll be down front praying, asking God to forgive you for that Bible. So fill it out today and take it back to the table. We've got all kinds of books. This one is called Full House. I've sold, when I printed this book first, I sold 300,000 copies on how to get your family saved. If you're looking for that door to open, this is your book. This book here is called Our Bummer Lamb. It is the story of how we adopted Andrew. Stand up, Andrew. That young man there, and his wife is Yemi right here. He got married since the last time he was here. And um, that beautiful Ethiopian girl is my daughter-in-law. And um, they've been married long enough now, I think it's time for babies to start. Um, Six babies, I'm confessing. Well, let's all believe together. We'll be the, the, the door of six doors will open for six beautiful, never mind, anyway. But this is the story. This is the story of how we found Andrew in an orphanage, starving, dying. And God allowed us to go through doors. You talk about doors. My God, this book is the original, I should call it Doors. You won't believe what we went through and how God opened doors. Jazgul, the girl I was telling you about, wrote this book. It's testimonies of the kids we've rescued. And this one here is called Every 30 Seconds, written by Dasha. And um, we've got another a book coming out next week. Um, my, my was Roy here? Was my grandson here, little Roy, the minion? Yeah, he's never been here. Oh, I've got a big grandson. It's just a, I've got six grandkids, and I've got no favorites. And... Uh, his name is, is, his name is Rowan, and uh, Dasha and he put together a book of his adventures with his granddad. 
and they've got someone to draw this, and he tells this story, and he, he says, can we use this to help boys and girls in Ukraine? So you'll be seeing, if you're on our mailing list, you'll be seeing it coming up pretty soon. Take that card, take it back to the table. We've got hoodies. Where's the, where, is Glina gone or Yemi gone? You are so smart. We've got hoodies. Don't go up the table and say, I want a hoodie. It's not a hoodie, it's a hoodie. You poor souls. God help you all. Honest to goodness. We love you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys. How much I appreciate your pastor and his, his sweetheart of a wife. I, it's, just, it's just beyond, it's beyond my words can express. Please help us. Pastor is going to receive a mission offering for our work. All the, all the coats and blankets and hats and gloves and scarves in a container or in a and a pallet in a warehouse in Tennessee will not save someone's life. We've done what all we can. Now I'm asking if you could help us make this miracle happen. We love and appreciate you more than you'll ever know. God bless you. Come on, my friend. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. I believe that we can send a container, don't you? I said, I believe we can send a container, don't you? I want you to stand up with me right now. You remember him talking about pushing on that door? Let me tell you a principle I've learned in life, that if you want a door to open for you, you need to open one for someone else. And when you do that, God will make it open for you. So I want you to target something today. I want you to, I, I don't want you just doing this generically. When you sow seed, you sow a seed for a result. I don't sow apple seeds hoping for watermelons. I sow an apple seed because I want apples. What I'm asking you to do, to do today is to target your seed this seed's going to put, it doesn't do any good to collect all these coats if you can't get them on the children, if we can't get it to them. So I want you to target what door you're wanting God to open for you as God uses us to make this door open for them. Would you do that? Let's pray together right now. Father, we thank you that you're more than enough. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of the kingdom, Father, and to help someone that's in desperate need. You tell us in your word that when we give to the poor, we lend unto God, and God will repay. I thank you for that today, and God, for this church and the generous hearts, God, the love that we have for one another. I just thank you for being a part of this family. I pray, God, that you'll make happen for each individual that's sowing today what it is they're asking of you. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. See, I was just going to wait on you, and while they do that, they're going to lead us in a song.
clap of praise for everything he's done. Debbie and I want to say a special thank you for pastor's appreciation. Last week, the gifts and the cards touched our hearts. We are so fortunate to serve in such a loving church, and you're more than congregants. We're family, and I'm so glad to belong to such a wonderful family as this. We love you all. Make sure to visit the table outside. Get you a hoodie. <laughs> hoodie, hoodie, hoodie. Get you a hoodie. Amen. Let's give one more hand clap of praise. God bless you. We love you.